part of what we're engaged with in this moment is some pretty large-scale thinking, you know, talking about the cosmos in one way, shape, or form. But I want to offer in this moment that one of the foundational theologies of our 20th century um, has its origin in kitchen table conversations between a mother and a son. One of the most radical and powerful tools we have for creating and transforming the world is what emerges when we meet with and listen to one another and then figure out what new incarnation, what new living and being we might gain from that effort. So this story I want to offer is part of that origin story. So there's a gentleman, uh, Henry Nelson Wyman, who was born in 1884 in Rock Hill, Missouri. He was, came into a large family and parents who were active in a Presbyterian tradition. They had both taught and gone to seminary uh, in the course of things. The, his father went into ministry. His mother was a teacher. And Henry operated as an adult in much of the thinking of the 20th century. And he was someone who didn't set out to be a minister, but it was irresistible as he found along the way, he would engage in exploration with his mother. And he says, when I was a boy, we had long intimate talks in which each tried to express to the other what most deeply felt and thought. We did not talk about religion particularly, but about anything which at the time seemed to be of chief concern. He said, I would come from those talks with a feeling of exultation, of release and aspiration, as though there was something great to live for. This comes from Wyman and how he was talking about how I got my religion. From a very early age, grounded in his parents' life in ministry and religious inquiry, Henry was inclined toward this ecstatic experience of exploration he would come out of these conversations with kind of this glow and a high and wanting to do more. But this exploration was one that was not the kind that would remove him from being engaged with the world, although it certainly could have been so. You know, some theologies and some thinking can be so transcendent, they actually have little to do, a little connection with daily life. But here is Henry Nelson Wyman, and he is engaged in study and coming from his place of uh, uh, Presbyterianism, plus, plus from Christianity, he continued to read and explore. There were times when he would actually read so much he would neglect uh, his work, in fact. But he encountered in his reading a book by John Fiske called The Destiny of Man, and and engaged with Charles Darwin's theory of evolution and said, Darwin's theory and Christianity are entirely compatible and I'm going to figure it out. A little ambitious too. But, but what he operated from, his essential question throughout his life, and he evolved in the course of 
his life from Presbyterian to Congregational to Unitarian. Um, in fact, at one point later in his life, he served our Unitarian Universalist congregation down in Carbondale. In fact, he served uh, as faculty up in Chicago also as well. So kind of in the neighborhood, if you will. But Henry Nelson Wyman's essential question continued through his entire life, and it was this. What operates in human life with such character and power that it will transform a man even as he cannot transform himself, saving a person from evil and leading that person to the best that human life can ever reach? What operates in human life with such character and power that it will transform a person as they cannot transform themselves, saving them from evil and leading them into the best life that human life that we can ever reach? And I want to say that part of where we enter into this question, because I think this is in many ways our essential question as well. How can we, what is transforming in our lives? Part of it that is in our capable, well, sometimes not so capable, but, but in our human hands, in our human abilities, but also what is larger than us and calling us on. And I want to offer that part of where we've come into this conversation um, about Wyman's theology, we've already been doing some of this work in previous conversations. In past services, I've talked about Adrian Rene Brown, who talked about emergence strategy. How do we create justice by working together? Um, Sonia Renee Taylor, who talks about how the body is not an apology, how we have a right and a presence to take up space, and that taking up space is itself a radical, essential act as a human person. And the late Bell Hooks, who calls us on to creativity, to keep acting out of love and service for each other. Just these three, for example, are black women calling us, contemporary black voices, calling us into community, into organization, into creating a new way. Now, Wyman, in his work at the early 20th century, this is part of our theological frame for being open to and finding new truth in folks such as Brown and Taylor and Hooks. So this is why we're working on this one today. Now, Wyman, uh, his school of thought was part of what's known as process theology. And I've mentioned this before, characterized essentially as humans being co-creators with the larger forces of life. My colleague, Suzelle Lynch, describes process theology this way. This has got, get, get, you, get, you got to get your big words head on for this one. So just hang in there. And she says, Process theology evolved in the 1920s from the process philosophy of British mathematician Alfred North Whitehead, who sought to shape a philosophy that would respond to the discoveries of post-Newtonian physics, such as the solar system we're working with with Copernicus, right? Which shifted the perspective of science on the nature of matter. Process theology, she says, posits a god that is not different from all other reality, a God that is not an unmoved mover, 
not static and unchanging. It's a God that functions as the lure, which draws in all things, all persons, all realities toward ultimate fulfillment and unfolding. Another way to say this, she says, is that God is that which sustains the processes by which the world is continuously being created. She said, you don't have to use the word God either, but we have this continuous creation process. For Wyman, God occurred in relationships, is the intersection of beings and events. God, Wyman said, is the integrating process at work in the universe. God is the growth from which springs anew, new forms when the old perish. In short, in short, this understanding of process theology is, is a verb, is a continual emergence, always in motion, not as one fixed form or noun or image of what one might think is God, because one image is never, it's never going to be sufficient. It's, not all, it's also not beyond our larger experience of life either. We're not talking a supernatural experience. It's about the scope of our web of life that we are a part of. So in this understanding of creation, we have Wyman's core concept, which was the creative interchange. For him, creativity was this essential ethos. It was certainly in the cosmic sense, the largest sense we have, but also more specifically in addressing the major questions of our human life. Um, and the essence of this creative interchange, highly distilled, um, because boy, he wrote a lot of words, highly distilled, Here's what it looks like. Sharing oneself authentically, listening and integrating, discovering what may emerge, and then bringing that emergence into the community. Sounds kind of familiar, right? Sharing authentically, listening and integrating, discovering what might emerge, and then bringing that back into practice, into life. And he applied this thought into the Christian, early Christian church. This is where I get to be just a tiny bit geeky. So if I haven't already been, this is where I get more geeky. Just go with me here. Because I think one of the great mysteries as Unitarian Universalist is figuring out kind of sometimes what to do with Easter. Because um, we don't necessarily go for the, the Christ is risen kind of theology. But here's a different way to think about this. Wyman talked about the formative events of Christianity in the light of creative process. The thought and feeling of the least and lowliest, lowly, lowliest uh, was at the core of early Christian church, right? The least that were not welcomed into society. And it acted upon this group of early Christians um, as it was as important, that commitment of the least of these was as important as the thought and feeling of Jesus, his own teachings, and his own presence. Christianity, Wyman says, was not something Jesus invented and then gave to others. It was, rather, something arising out of their midst in creative power. This was a concept that rose from this exchange in this group of people following the teachings of Jesus. 
And Jesus was really just the catalyst for this. Jesus' death released the creative power, allowing it to spread beyond the small community and the local practice. The disciples realized that the life-transforming creativity previously only known in direct relationship with Jesus, began to work and be far greater than any one teacher. And because what had been created and initiated by Jesus as a teacher, it seemed to his followers that he was actually present and with them. There was a presence there, not him, but a presence and part of that continual imagination. It was not a man named Jesus who arose from the dead, said Wyman. It was creative power. I can preach on creative power at Easter any time. Thank goodness. We can work with that. Jesus' disciples discovered their possibility and that that of their teachings, the potential, and took up that call to bring it to life beyond their teacher and beyond their own selves. These teachings of love and compassion and service and justice in society, they were able to take up those teachings and pass them down to the extent that we are still operating from them today. That is some powerful creativity. Now, another example of what we're engaged with here is the story about we heard from uh, about our place in the cosmos. This of Copernicus and others moving forward our human understanding of the world and of the universe, um, despite what had been fixed in place by others. You had folks such as Galileo and others, later explorers reinforcing this heliocentric understanding of our solar system, of the universe, in fact. And all the great conflicts um, and, and heresies and so on that were at war in Europe as a result. We also had, it wasn't just these great battles, it was also showing up in these quiet corners in Transylvania, this sun-centered understanding of the solar system that found its way into the wood paneling that people would just gaze upon, during the service or any time being in the sanctuary in the Unitarian Church. In Blessing the World, Rebecca Parker writes, holy regard for knowledge is at the heart of our religious faith. At a time when religion was opposing science, our ancestors in these remote mountains built sanctuaries and affirmed the discoveries of science. And they did so even when the dominant religious culture said no to new revelation. This is creative exchange. This is creative work, as Wyman is reminding us and calling us towards. The creative process continues with us. It continues all the way down in our living tradition. Our questions in this moment may or may not necessarily be about the cosmos, but they're certainly large in front of us. We have had in this time, in this year, 
the question of how to be together, a smaller frame perhaps of how to be transforming ourselves um, and to leading our best human life. But we've found answers to that along the way as, we've been ga- as we gather in congregational life, which operates in a particular place in our society, multi-generational relationships celebrating all the seasons of life and death that provides us with opportunities to wonder and question about the meaning of it all. And of course, in those questions, find that we are often lost and often don't know that the answers are final and done because goodness knows our struggles and our grief and our sorrows in the world are never done. But what we offer with one another in the very modest of places are moments such as remembering uh, remembering Larry Miller and Jason Fought, as we, the, some of us did in the memory garden on Thursday evening, and celebrated these lives and served as family for these people, along with some of their friends, and blessed, blessed who they were, even as their physical form has gone away and we are simply left with memory and photo. And then as we gather for, say, a cookie or something after such a moment, remember with each other how precious it is to be together, how much comes from all that has been created as part of this community that allows us to be serve as family for people such as this, and then how we might serve one another going forward. We have been rejoicing in the return of something as simple and deep as congregational life. And also we have been a place where people can keep finding and seeking and wondering and encountering a place such as this for themselves and their children. It is good to see so many different faces in the congregation in so many ways. We have been engaged fully with the modest practice of gathering on Sundays, if nothing else, in our human questions of life and death and everything in between. We have engaged with the wondering of how to be good stewards of this planet. We have engaged in wondering how to cherish simply the human existence in all its diversity Adrian Mary Brown and Sonia Renee Taylor and the late Bell Hooks, they have been part of the conversation that comes into our contemporary concerns about inherent worth and dignity in all forms, including drag, including transgender, including simply being black. So as we look into the coming year, we are on the edge of transitioning from finishing this year and into the coming year. We get to anticipate what comes next. We've survived and more than survived, so what now? What is the dream that is big enough, the creative impulse that is grand enough, that is worth the question 
how can we lead ourselves and be transformed as people and as a congregation and as a faith into the best of human life that we can reach? To take up Wyman's question yet again. And as we conclude this year, enter into summer, I invite us to keep into that, keep learning, in, leaning into that question. What comes next? What shall be our answer? And I look forward to hearing more as we go along the way and when we return in the fall. It is good to be together. Let us go forth and Keep finding our answer. Amen.